transmission by me, Donald Dean. Make me an island.
episode number 17 of Make Me an Island off to a splendid start. That's the sound of Tewoldo Reda from Eritrea. And it says here on the cover of this album, he's Eritrea's guitar pioneer. And that tune is from 1970. We're going to go back and hear more from him and the sound of Eritrea in a later episode. Uh, that one right there is called Kerry B. And as well as playing the guitar, he plays an uh, uh, Eritrean instrument uh, called the Kirar. And he amplified that up and uh, yeah, changed the uh, sound. And it sounds wonderful. Tewolda Rede. So you're listening to Make Me an Island. And before I get into introducing our very special guest on this Make Me an Islander special, uh, I'm going to do a little bit of housekeeping, the thing I love the most. So first of all, thanks to everybody who has already signed up on Patreon. And uh, going forward, the shows will continue after the lockdown ends on May 18th. Um, you can support the programme uh, on Patreon just by dialing in the name. And I will say that um, not only does that validate the making of these islands, but it enables it. You're very welcome to continue listening without doing that, of course. And if you want a simple question to the show, then Donal at makemeanisland.ie is the place to go. Um, so there has been up to now um, two types of shows. Uh, today's one, which is uh, talking to an artist about uh, some influential music. And then there's been the shows investigating particular moments in music. But uh, once the lockdown ends, ends I would anticipate sort of adding a third type, which is uh, a more deeper investigation out in the field into music so and and other art forms indeed. Um, so going forward, um, I hope you can stay with us basically along that journey. Um, I, occasionally, I will be dipping into uh, the occasional public service announcement. And the first of those I want to, uh, is a warning on... Uh, the pocket dial, uh, known in the north side of Dublin as the arse dial and in the south side as the bum dial. And uh, the reason being that uh, my most ever Quentin Tarantino moment uh, happened there the other day where I was uh, being a good neighbour and seeing uh, just some opportunist chancers uh, unscrewing uh, the door, uh, the handle, the door handle uh, from a neighbour's door. So I went full Quentin Tarantino um, and not just one F-U-C-K's to give, but many. And uh, at the end of all of that, a trembling hand into my pocket realised I just dialed. Uh, I was still on the line, in fact, to my friend Ashling in Cork. And on that bombshell, I want to say hi to Ashling in Cork, who puts together with her friends the amazing quarter block party and um, which I think you know there's many great festivals in this country and has been over the last few years we've been spoilt but I think open ear and quarter block party just in terms of uh, the sheer uh, dedication to the curation uh, has been uh, the top of the pile so hi to you and apologies to you Ashling. it's not even uh, my only uh, crime on the rap sheet there uh, I will say though that uh, in that same area there is sometimes good things can happen when you randomly dial people uh, because uh, a couple of months ago I was um, sort of I was unaware that I had posted onto the Disney No Disco Facebook page this message um, at A-S-H-L-U-O-A-R-M-A-U-T-Y-U-T-T-W and uh, <laughs> so the next day uh, or sorry immediately I get a message from a friend saying huh question mark and then another friend saying, a pocket post, such a rare uh, phenomenon, fascinating. And then the third message is from A-S-H-I-U-O-A-R-M-A, question mark, question mark. That's me 
well, an acronym of me, but why? LOL, smiley face, smiley face, I feel chosen. And on that bombshell, I think it's time to go to the music. And uh, we have today on the line an amazing artist called Bridget Maypower, one of our finest ever singers. When Bridget Maypower sings, you don't want her to stop. And we'll be talking to her right after you hear this.
It's such a beautiful song and uh, the singer, Bridget May Power, is on the line. Hi, Bridget. How does it uh, sound uh, down the phone Hi. line? It's, it's, it's always a weird experience, but um, I didn't find it as hard then. Yeah. Maybe because of the weird Skype connection, it was I was getting distracted by. Yeah, it's being Skype. How underwater? How underwater it sounds. Yeah. But um, but uh, yeah, it's I usually find it kind of hard to listen back to myself. But yeah. um, I, I'm I'm trying to not be as critical of myself. So I, I think. Yeah. Well, do you know what? You know, we, I, quietening I, the self-critic. I know, I know, which is which is a difficult <laughs> thing to do, right? But um, I I do want to ask you yeah. some questions, Bridget, about your incredible singing style but I don't want to frighten you at this point with my the depth of these <laughs> questions so <laughs> That's so, okay. That's so okay. let's so let's um maybe we'll we'll just get down to your musical choices now um I we have four today and uh, and I've been listening to all four of them mm. and Aretha Franklin is the first one where does Aretha Franklin come into the the journey through music for yourself um well I'd say when I was a teenager, I was much more into sort of um, soul music and yeah. blues and, um, well, I first was into kind of rock music and then backwards, and, you know, seeing who they influenced by and I got into blues and then I got R&B and soul and, and I think I, I just, maybe I'd started singing and um, Aretha Franklin just she just blew me away and she always does and she always will and yeah. um, I think she's just like the right combination of me it's it's so intense but yeah. it's so um cathartic singing yeah. and um I just think she's unbelievably talented yeah <laughs> and it, uh so I yeah there, this was recorded this gospel album was recorded in 1972 so she was 30 years old at the time and the story is kind of yeah. interesting in that, you know, she she came from the church. So her father, um, his church was the New Bethel mm. Baptist Church in Detroit in, in Michigan. And for her to kind of leave the the, the church and, and become uh, a soul singer uh, was quite a big deal. So, you know, that happened in the decades previous yeah. to that. So 1966 was when she started having huge hits and and this was recorded in 1972 so this is kind of like a return to her roots and um and again mm. be because of your recommendation i've been listening to the whole thing and it's incredible i mean it's uh it's her on full power yeah um live at the new temple missionary did you Baptist watch the Church. film no tell me oh that that is um because i i always listened to this album i i known it for years yeah. And then there was a film out, I think it was just last year it came out, um, of the yeah. video recording of that. And it's, I just, yeah, it's really unbelievable. Oh, so it's the whole concert of... It's a medley, of, not a medley, but I think filmed over two days and they just take clips of um, each day. And it's it's really incredible. Like there's, um, there's no I had a completely different image in my head of how it must have seemed like. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's it's really beautiful and it, like it's very moving. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's you, there's like it's just like you can occasionally see like a celebrity like Mick Jagger dancing in the background. Which oh yeah, he's always weird, bloody but, um, dancing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but I really recommend it. It's so amazing because she's mm. so she's so expressive, but actually she's so composed when she's singing all mm. those songs. Yeah, um, yeah. She's very powerful. Yeah, there's 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 just some kind of divinity yeah. involved, isn't there? There seems to be like some kind of higher power yeah. when it comes to Aretha. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Um, yeah, and oh gosh, I get the shivers even thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> she's, well, look, she's here. like just completely. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't her father chose the name Aretha Well? Doesn't it really fit well, Aretha Franklin? I mean, there's there's something yeah. to it. It's a beautiful name and a beautiful idea. And uh, yeah. we'll be, we'll be listen to it and chat some more about it. So the the tune you chose from the live album and actually actually Bridget, it it is her biggest ever selling album. It, it sold two million copies. So I didn't yeah. know that. I just assumed that wow. some of the mid sixties albums would have been bigger. Oh, neither so did I know. This is the, the biggest one. So it's how I got over Aretha Franklin live at New Temple Missionary Baptist Church, LA.
was the amazing Aretha Franklin. And uh, so I guess uh, from my point, from my own point of view, um, Bridget, when not personally believing in, in uh, God's grace as such, um, I sometimes kind of find that call and response uh, gospel music kind of hard to, to get into. But there's no arguing with Aretha when she's on fire in that, mm. in that department, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, 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 for some reason, I'm, I'm not, I guess I'm not a person who's too hung up on words anyway. I'm always into what's behind a word. Yeah. And uh, I'm able to detach from the Jesus and the God yeah. stuff that I, I mean, I, I, I am spiritual, but I wouldn't believe, be believing in like a Christian God. Um, yeah. But when I, when I hear that stuff, I just, I, I just, I just feel the feelings from it. And, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, for some reason, it just, I think it's just about people singing together and there being yeah. one person who's kind of leading it and they're all propping her up. That's what I love is that they're all mm. really encouraging her and, and drawing it out of her almost. Like, yeah. There is that element of being, there is that element of being lifted up. It's it's James Cleveland is the reverend James Cleveland is playing the piano and organizing the choir, but um. There is that uplifting yeah. thing with the with the the massive voices. It's just so beautiful, and she's, I mean, such an incredible star of the show. Yeah, totally, totally, and she's, um, yeah, it's, it's just a huge re- release. I think, I think, like, um, it's just just compared to like the gospel singing I would have seen in church. Yeah, in my experience, it's just so it's just so different, and it seems like. Uh, actually really beneficial I, I, I just well not not that the singing isn't beneficial that i've seen but it's just like so full body um mm-hmm. experience i i just really yeah i just love that song yeah what what yeah. was your own experience of did you did you go to church as as a kid or growing up yeah um i was like i went to catholic um school in london until i moved to Galway when I was 11 and then again yeah. Catholic mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I went to but over in London it was even more so because if you wanted to go to a Catholic school you had to be seen every week um, yeah right after to church, church. So, yeah right, right yeah sometimes went it, once or twice a week <laughs> it, it was all well connected and um but but yeah, yeah but do you, you you feel you're relatively unscarred from any of those experiences <laughs> um I no, I, I, no, I do. I really hated. I mean, especially when secondary school age, I, I got in arguments a lot with the yeah. priests and the nuns. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I wouldn't say I'm scarred though. Yeah. Okay. Um, good. Good. I was able to separate it a lot. You know, I didn't yeah. really internalize it a huge amount. Okay, gotcha. I mean, <laughs> my own perspective there about saying that it it gets too much is that really it's probably just from being, you know, completely underneath that kind of dogma at an early yeah. age. And, and then, you know, it's not simply a, a matter of just simple rejection. It's just a kind of a, a lifetime of, of association, <laughs> yeah, with, with these things of, of there being, you know, uh, the body of a man on a cross with blood pouring out, all those things. But uh, like I said, thankfully, Aretha manages to kind of elevate the argument way above any of that stuff. But um, so, yeah. Bridget, just, just when it comes to... Um, we'll say hearing soul music as a kid, right? Um, was that because there was music in the house or were, were there any musicians around? Or was it just records? 
uh, around me. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, there weren't. There wasn't any. So, uh, well, my mom. My mom always had a really varied taste in music, and she would play like some soul, but not Aretha Franklin. I think I just. How did I find? You know what? I think it was like being like a preteen and maybe hearing. Oh, do you know, it was probably like through destiny's child or someone oh, right, <laughs> you know and right. hearing hearing yeah. them say aretha franklin is a great thing okay. or something and then great. then i'd go and see who that was um yeah uh, you know it was probably how through them or something that i found yeah. out yeah. um but yeah i always was really into the idea for a long time of, of, of just you know a great singer i just really thought she was i like i mean she's she's a combination of you know, so I don't really like two technical singers, but her mm-hmm. her ability is just so unique. And then she also mm-hmm. has the mix of um, just character and uh, mm-hmm. which it, g- yeah. gives it that warmth and an edge. That's uh, you know, it's just an intoxicating mix, isn't it? Yeah, and she also sings her pain, and, and I think I really yeah. like, like that. Um, so it, that, it was very meaningful for me to um, come across her as a teen. Can, can I just ask the idea of, I mean, I think when it comes to yourself, right, uh, one of the things that, that uh, I was kind of careful to hit you with is the idea of the voice as an instrument. I think you you definitely mm. epitomise that. I mean, would your recognition of that have come early, as in your recognition of that quality in others um, being there early on, or is that something that you would have kind of realised over time? Um, well... I don't, yeah, that's a good question. I think I always gravitated towards, well, not always, but I had a special space for singers that I thought who did that and I liked it, like, mm-hmm. that used their voice as an instrument. But then I also lo- liked a lot of singers, you know, that didn't do that. Um, mm-hmm. but, but, but yeah, I, I, I do. It just always felt natural to me. Um, to sing like that it like I think I've said this a few times in different interviews but like when I was really small actually like maybe eight or nine <laughs> I was really obsessed with um the Ellen Piper Davy Spillane <laughs> oh yeah and I, I remember not really thinking that there was much boundary like I, I knew it was Ellen Pipes but I also kind of thought it was a singing voice if mm, you know what I mean amazing. like yeah when you're that small I didn't really see much of a boundary between it and it sounded a bit it doesn't sound like a voice but it's it's more like the way it's played yeah um and so I almost kind of I I kind of knew that I loved to sing but I um I also thought like I could oh I can do that you know (laughs) I didn't really realize it was an instrument so I think I've always liked um that that expression yeah uh that, what a beautiful thought. Actually, in one of your choices, uh, I, I'm so eager to talk about Charlie Mingus singers. You've sent me down this mad oh, yeah. rabbit hole. But on that <laughs> choice, there's the, um, I think it's the alto saxophone is so oh, lyrical, yeah. like a voice. I mean, we'll talk about it oh, later I on, know. but I think that's the <laughs> possibly the ultimate example of somebody. Well, I mean, Davy Spillane, what a hero. That's not, I'm not, mm. put, uh, but it, it is, <laughs> th- there are voices in, in those great players and, and of, of certain instruments, I think. Yeah, totally. Yeah, especially with horn instruments, you can really mm-hmm. 
I, I just I just love it. That that really sends me over the edge. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. Well, look, we'll save our breath because I'm we've, we've got to yeah. get into that when we talk about uh, Charlie Mingus. But let on on the voice as or like an instrument subject. Um, your next choice is Tim Buckley. So um, one of the mm. Buckleys of Cork, I might add, because his his yeah. grandfather um, was uh, from uh, immigrated uh, from Cork. Not sure where in Cork. It's all Cork. Yeah, I remember knowing at the time, but yeah, I haven't. Mm. Yeah, I, I knew mean, there's Buckleys everywhere in, in Cork and the Southwest. Um, but, um, yeah, it's a strong name. Yeah, yeah strong name indeed. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, a good place to, to begin the discussion. Strong name, strong voice, strong everything. <laughs> yeah. What, what, so you've chosen something from Happy Sad, right? One, one of the things that I wanted to say, Bridget, was that he was 22 years old when he, when when he made this. He had been, wow. you know, it's staggering that. Oh my god! He was yeah. he was just a, he was 18, 19 when when uh, when he made his first recordings. He had you know, he'd um, L.A. Afternoon was before this, so he'd made two beers previously when he was 20, like some wow. of the most adventurous music. Uh, I know, so committed. young. Yes, so incredible. That's. The fact that was like no, I can't believe that. I knew he was young, but like not, not, not yeah. twenty two when he's making the work of you know a master really. So, and I suppose yeah. the other thing about this is that um, I mean, Happy Sad is so incredibly well produced, um, and there's so much to enjoy in it. The bass playing and Lee Underwood's guitar mm, playing, yeah, da David Friedman's vibraphone. It's it's up yeah. there with, you know, the great jazz records, but it's just got this voice of uh, somebody that's never been heard before on top. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. Like that sound has always just sort of stayed with me, the vibraphone and yeah. the voice and the bass. Just And it's given yeah. a lot of room to, I mean, again, we might chat about this when it comes to your own productions and your work with Peter in particular, but like it's it's really well put together in terms of the production on this with the way that they sparingly use all of the, the great instrumentation and then the way that they get the voice so right all the time. Yeah, I mean, I it's, it's a production There's a lot class. of space in it as exactly, well. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Plenty of room and yet it's so full of feeling. Will, will be a strange feeling. Will we listen to it and then talk <laughs> some more, yeah? Okay. Yeah, yeah, great. i 
22-year-old Tim Buckley uh, from Happy Sad, Strange Feeling. Um, yeah, what an incredible piece of music. Wow, yeah. He's such a beautiful voice. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about, uh, so, so how or where, or was, was it this record that, that started you off with, with his music, Bridget? Um, it was actually, it was more, my mom had a compilation, like a double best of thing that yeah. he was on. Um, sorry, he was on. Yeah. A Tim Buckley, like best of it was yeah. like a double album. Um, so I just, I found it on, on that. And then actually, I don't think I've ever had the album itself, um, a copy. Maybe I had it on CD once, but, um, I don't have it at the moment, but I, I, I just adore the album. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, well, what, I think what really started me off was, I think I used to listen to that song Buzz and Fly a lot. I yeah. can't remember if that's on the same It's album. on the same one, yeah. Um, it opens that one. Oh, that's just yeah, same one, yeah. perfection, that one. Yeah, I just love that song. Yeah. Um, um, so, and, and yeah, then, I, I think I, I always knew. Sorry, go on. No, 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 go, go ahead. You always knew. Um, I... I always knew of Jeff Buckley first. Oh, right, right. We played a lot of him in the house. Uh-huh. Then we looked up, oh, this is his dad. And okay. then well, I was, I mean, I, I love Jeff Buckley, but I just was yeah. more blown away. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they had a, I mean, it was, it's tough because I actually, yeah, it was the other way around for me because I was a huge Tim Buckley fan. And then somewhere around, oh. well, somewhere around 1991, sorry, my uh, expensively built studio has just fallen apart here, Bridget. No, my, somewhere around 19... Oh, no. No, no, it's grand. This isn't the Ryan Turbity <laughs> show and you're not listening. Um, so <laughs> so um, round about 92, I'd say, um, I was in New York City and um, I... A friend of mine, Fiona, was working in a bar, which was the bar, or became the bar, Shine. Uh, in the oh. village, in the Greenwich village. And I was there one night um, with Orla and I was in, um, yeah, there was only a few people in the bar and um, and one of them had a fur coat and a guitar and he was playing Elton John songs from a book to two girls who were sitting with him. And uh, and it was Jeff oh, Buckley. Wow. So so we became, we chatted, no we chatted, oh yeah, chatted that night. But then then he started to, he, he released an EP recorded in the same bar, live at Chine, and and yeah. then he came to play in Whelan's in Dublin. And just by virtue of the fact that I was already on the radio, maybe, um, or by the time Grace came out, oh, I was doing a TV thing, <clears throat> this, or sorry, no mm-hmm. disco. So, um, so it just turned out that each time he came over, I either met him or interviewed him. And then, um, so after the... He came and played in the Tivoli, and um, so I was still doing the TV thing, No Disco at the time, and I did an interview with him. Yeah. Uh, he still had the same fur coat, uh, oh, yeah. I might add. But um, <laughs> so, I mean, he's, he was incredible. There was, in that interview, um, like, I don't know how, how good the interview overall was, but then years later, I was watching the BBC documentary after his tragic, tragic demise. And, um, and, and in the middle of it, there wasn't much footage of him talking. This is Jeff. Uh, there wasn't much footage of him talking. There was lots of, mm. of radio interviews and stuff, but then it came to the middle and kind of like the money shot in terms of what he said, you know, he said something about, this is what I do. And I went, oh, that's good. 
and then I looked at the credits after and that the, the clip was from the interview that we did on, on No Disco. Oh, so he, he only had, oh, yeah, wow. yeah, maybe, maybe there was only one such interview, you know, I'm not sure that there, there definitely wasn't any yeah. others in that, in that documentary. And, uh, but oh, I mean, I, I kind of knew always better than to mention his dad, to be honest. Um, yeah, I was going to say when when you saw him in that cafe yeah. and he was singing the Elton John songs, did you know? Uh, oh, I, I, Tim I, Buckley's son. Yeah, my friend will testify. Was like, who the hell is that guy? And she said, his father is Tim Buckley. So, um, oh, but wow. but um, but it, I mean, the relationship was non-existent, and not only that, yeah. but it appears there was like. An incredible. Not uh, a hurt there. Well, when he was eight, he died, and he wasn't. He'd never seen him, or was never in his world, or had never been part mm. of it. But um, he wasn't allowed to go to the funeral, even, or, or there was something like that. So it was incredibly Gosh, painful. Yeah. But so to be so like, I mean, he was, he was, uh, as they say in Kerry, he was the stamp of him. He was the dead stamp of him. (laughs) There was no, there was no, um, there was no difference whatsoever. And then there was the voice again, you know, and um, Mm. to be the reincarnation of something that was, I mean, I can't imagine how, I mean, the whole thing is just, it was so shrouded in pain for him, but he broke out of that. But then, what happened and how it happened and you know there's it's just so terrible that he 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 went as as young as his father did you know i know yeah just such a weird such a weird happening incredible um, story yeah, yeah. yeah and and you know occasionally um because i have a daughter i i hear sort of hallelujah coming back into the world through oh, the yeah. singing competition and stuff but he did okay. he remains uh, i mean it's funny that uh yeah, he's 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 Jeff now we're talking about, but he's kind of he's still just a little footnote, but he was so important, you know, and uh, and yeah. going going somewhere amazing too, you know. Yeah, he was really like just uh, both of them, just sort of a force of nature that. You yeah, know, yeah, um, yeah. I, and I think yeah, I think that's kind of the all of the choices I've chosen today. They're all forces of nature, and that that's kind of been um, they've been the most inspiring people for me are those people that just sort of yeah just you can't hold them back kind of thing yeah uh, there's some kind of eruption going on and it's kind of like a, yeah a, a force that's not to be tampered with and I guess you know okay it's 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 impossible to really think of anything to say about putting into context how Tim Buckley and his son Jeff Buckley were both such incredible artists and both had such tragic um, ends and so young and stuff but but there is what we're talking about and the reason we're here talking about this is that they created something just unstoppable and and unquenchable in every way and and long Mm. everlasting really I think uh, in all four cases (laughs) yeah definitely and that's totally I guess that's the inspiration or the aspiration as well for for all artists um we're, 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 we're in the land of the giants here, um, um, Bridget, but seeing as we're in New York City <laughs> yeah. and we've been talking about it, uh, let's move over to uh, my, my, the, one, the, the subject I've most uh, been uh, anticipated talking to you about, Charles Mingus. <laughs> 
Wow. I mean, so mm. uh, I, the context, I just want to give a little bit of the context. So it's the album is The Black Saint and The Sinner Lady. Incredible title. Yeah. The year is 1963. And, um, and it has so many things to lay claim to be one of the greatest albums of all time, not just in jazz. Mm. Uh, among them, just, uh, you know, the extent of the orchestration and also it was the first jazz album that used overdubs. Didn't know that either. So just in his own life, oh, he really? was he was in 63. Um, 1959 is the other really big album that uh, I, I up until I really went back to this one. The, the album I would say that I loved by Charles Mingus was Mingus Aum, which was 19. Uh, oh, I loved that too. Yeah. yeah. So that's 59. But so then. And 59 is such a, a seminal year in terms of its um, its kind of blue and its, uh, its Mingus Aum. Um, there is, I think, yeah. but there is a huge change in four years from, from that, the sound of that one to what he does on The Black Saint and The Sinner Lady. And just another bit of context is, um, I mean, there is in there the liner notes from his psychotherapist. So there's clearly a lot of... Um, like when you hear this music, uh, what actually happens? I mean, there is there is so much going on that it's utterly transformative, right? Yeah, um, I I feel like it kind of just when I first would hear those songs, um, they just kind of broke me apart. Like, it just I didn't know how to sort of um, go on with things after, like. You know, I have a vivid memory of listening to th- that song, uh, Solo Dancers, on headphones walking around New York at night and just, just like it completely being a transcendent sort of experience. Yeah. Um, they they kind of elevate to, the songs elevate to, a, to a, like a different plane <laughs> altogether. And um, that was just so interesting to me. Like I just had never heard anyone else do that they're so expressive and um like I you still now I'll occasionally put them on if I if I feel kind of stuck in my life mm-hmm. I feel like um if I blast that it kind of like yeah. I come I come around being like knowing what's important and what's not or something yeah. it's very just to yeah. the core of everything um yeah I think they're wonderful and so sometimes I even find like I just need one song and then and then <laughs> it's enough for me for then like I yeah I'll rarely get through a whole album in one sitting yeah yeah there's but there's um, the, the, you, these this is everything so there's <laughs> there's not much else you need just on the New York thing right and yeah. I think it's interesting that you that you chose to listen to it there because it's it's a fantastic space in which to discover the architecture of music and and there's no doubt but this is like great architecture, the intense, incredible uh, way it's constructed with all the interlacing brass and sounds and ideas. But Mm. New York is from whence it came. And it's really got that feeling of being from the city, I think. And in all of this intensity, there is the romance of the city. And and I'll tell you a little bit about um, some of the research that I've been doing on Charlie Mingus the last two days. He was a, he was a, you know, a, 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 I, I mean, I would hesitate to say he was a, he was a terrifying man, but also a romantic man yeah. and, and all of those things. But he I think it's all in this, you know, it feels like mm. everything was poured into this. 
And um, yeah, but I mean, beautiful, yeah, beautiful, beautiful introduction, Bridget. Will we will we listen to it and then talk intensely some more after that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, perfect. Okay. Hang on.
the incredible uh, Charlie Mingus. Um, Bridget, I, I think there's a, a piece that I read um, uh, in the New Yorker from it's from it's from the 70s, but it's um, it's about Charlie Mingus on the release of uh, a collection of books called Beneath the Underdog that he or sorry, a collection of his notes. Um, oh. But but there's a lovely quote yeah, about, uh, about yeah I, I'll send you the link um, if you if you type in Mingus at Peace New Yorker fantastic uh, piece about him but kind of the definitive New Yorker piece but um, there's a lovely quote in it about just him at work okay so it says as is true of all great professionals his husk remains visible while the inner man disappears completely into his work. He becomes a massive receiver transmitter, absorbing every note played around him and then sending out through his brass corrective or appreciative notes. The result is a, is a constant two-way flow that lights up his musicians who in turn light up his music. A successful Mingus number invariably wow. suggests a transcontinental train rocking and blazing through the night. Beautiful mm. piece of writing. Um, I just felt it kind of summed up Wow. That kind of, I, I mean, it leaves me pretty yeah. speechless, to be honest. Mm, I know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like sometimes you can, uh, you know, take different, they might have played different in different um, settings, but like how they in that scene affected by him. Um, and like I, I, I've read um, the bio, the order. Biography, um, yeah, and yeah, it it sounds like I think if I remember correctly, it maybe was a hard process as well. Uh, I think he was pretty difficult, but oh yeah, yeah, for um, sure. It it sounds like they're all broken apart, and also just actually he he's coming through them too, yeah. <laughs> or um, you know he's channeling something. That that's funny because one of one of the they're all picking up on um, yeah. One of the quotes I read about uh, about specifically about this album is that he's on record as saying that it's as much about an examination of his own tortured psyche as it is a conceptual piece about love and struggle. So I think that kind of encapsulates everything, you know. <laughs> totally does. The, is, the last bit of that song is just kind of... When, when it loses the romantic bit and it gets really quite dark. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's really intense, but it's it's Charlie Mariano yeah. is the name of the alto saxophonist who who plays the the kind of who's the kind of singer in that piece. I think. The, is it the bit towards the end? Yeah. Just, yeah, like the kind of water. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. It's amazing. Yeah, um, and uh, so so the kind of mixture of the light and the dark there, um, Bridget. Do yeah. you find that? I mean. I mean, it's it takes a genius to be able to yeah. to to blend those so well, right? Yeah, definitely. It takes someone fearless as well. I think. Yeah. You know, completely uh, give an honest sort of depiction uh, of what what they see. Um, yeah. You know, not caring of pressures to to make something a certain way. Uh, yeah. I think so. <laughs> that fearlessness or bravery is it? Is it something that's essential in, in or implicit in the deal when when you make art, when you want to create, or what you want to create something worthwhile? Huh. Yeah. Um, I definitely think 
like there's loads of different levels I'd say of um and like different things that people go for in music and art like you know obviously that that music by Charles Mingus would be way too intense and not everybody's cup of tea and um but but for me I really like brave um and fearless things or not fe- not necessarily fearless but like just um quite honest so it's quite bra- it's it's brave to be honest in your music or your um art and um for me it's implicit like it's I'm quite ruthless like I don't like a actually a huge amount of music as say other musicians do I I kind of just zone in on the stuff that is <laughs> quite uh but that I get a lot of that I get a lot out of you know mm-hmm. and I feel like is kind of timeless yeah that's kind of my um the stuff that I like generally yeah uh and yeah I think I think that's yeah a lot of that is sort of brave and and it is really scary and you and on all different levels and genres it's scary to um to make uh music um your own creation so yeah i'd say it is yeah yeah Yeah. what what just when it comes to to your own consumption music you kind of ration that i can understand that you you ration that to to kind of key pieces or or key things that would be Mm. in some way because you don't want to be too do you like to kind of keep the slate clean when it comes to, you know, when it comes to your work yeah. and to your practice? Um, is that surely, yeah, I mean, I'm just asking you the question. Is there a, pra- a process there where, where you like to have a kind of a, a blank uh, blank slate? To- totally. For me, yeah. And uh, it's something I kind of feel embarrassed about sometimes because I feel like I should know uh, a lot about what's going on. But I, I literally just don't every year that I get a bit older um I have less and less space mm-hmm. and uh I, I actually even find myself at, at one time I'd say like you know from the age of 15 to 22 I just had music on constantly and mm-hmm. now you know now I like a lot of silence um I do put music on but I need I need silence first and foremost yeah and um yeah I I'm all, I I consume quite easily I think so I you know I I've never been a I don't like music on in the background just for the sake of it I yeah. I uh, if I if I'm listening to it um you know I, I've I've never been someone who can put music on and then study or something or read something I'm I'm yeah. absorbing it for the meaning um it's just the always the way I've been and yeah uh yeah for me I do need a clean slate I don't I uh, need quite I just get distracted easily so I, I kind of need um, yeah. I, I save my energy for things that really are gonna move me <laughs> yeah, in, in other ways like move me physically like I want to dance or move me um, in some a meaningful way um, yeah <laughs> so that's that's a great answer. What about when it comes to okay, so listening to music as regards choosing to listen to a record or whatever, but mm. was there a period in your life that you were able to play 
traditional music uh, with other people and you know the way that works in in those circles um was was that a thing because you know you're you're equally adept at yeah. playing the playing the box um well actually funnily enough uh, i i mean i've never i've never played in a traditional session ever i i played i i learned and i did lessons and i played with my friend but um i was always a bit like you know i can play lots of instruments a little bit but never stuck at um yeah although accordion's probably my most that I can play on I I didn't really ever learn enough I don't know I felt a bit of a pressure with the sessions and okay. stuff I didn't really feel like I fit in and so I've never played in a session until I uh, not a session but I'm um, sorry I moved just to London last year so I'm here now and I've started actually dipping my toe in the water with the London Irish Community Centre and playing with them a bit. And um, yeah. I was so nervous the first time because I, I, I'm just, I my, I have the opposite problem. I have, I'm not shy with performing on my own, but with other people has been quite a yeah. um, step for me to, to get over. Um, That's interesting. So because... yeah, actually collaboration and playing with people is a, is a newer thing for me. Okay. Um, no, it's interesting about the sessions because that's a perspective that I probably wouldn't have heard before, Bridget, because to me it seems like very open and what uh, I can totally understand now that Maybe you've explained. Maybe actually I must, I must kind of say, I think it's more the Galway sessions because I know that other people from the country come to Galway and they feel okay. a bit pushed out of that them as well. That could definitely be a thing. Um, um, so it's uh, yeah sure okay well look I I because I just my experience will say of going to the Willie Clancy um, oh yeah for instance me. I was just blown away by the idea that that at the at the session in the hotel there was all these different ones of course in, in many different kind of configurations but the idea that people could kind of the kids could play with the masters was was pretty mind-blowing I thought but of course that's yeah. that's that's coming from a non-musician outsider uh, who was kind of um, a bit wide-eyed and stuff uh, at that whole experience of being there because I, I loved it so much but um yeah. so so you, you 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 but you do you do dip in occasionally now uh, in London right a little bit yeah I I um I have to say I went to the, yeah the Willie Clancy week I went um I went as well, and I I've, I loved the really fancy week. But I, I think I think maybe what a more clear way would have been to say was that I think growing up in Galway uh, is just like amazing, amazing, amazing trad players that don't you know it just it was very it was very intimidating yeah intimidating to invite yourself in or sure so yeah. as well so I think yeah. and I I think it's just more of a Galway thing because it has quite a lot of ex like extremely good players yeah um yeah, yeah. so so that the was Coast. that yeah so mm -hmm. um and and like you know uh yeah I didn't it didn't 100% just ever fit in mm -hmm. but would there be a box player way? a accordion player that uh that you would listen to or, or is it just something that you kind of personally um, just learn to yourself and, and without well, influence well, actually, I mean, as a kid, I listened so much to, I loved Sharon Shannon. And when we moved to Galway, we actually moved into Sharon Shannon's old house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we actually um, got to know her uh, because we, yeah, my mom still lives there today in, in her um, old house. So, yeah, I, and I, I, 
adore Sharon Chan, and that's probably actually why I picked up the accordion. Um, um, yeah, yeah well, I think she's incredible. Yeah, well, I think that's a that's a perfect <laughs> answer. She is absolutely incredible. Um, so, th so there was music in that yeah. house, obviously coming out of the walls, more or less, I guess. Yeah, there was. I think all her housemates also were. Um, I can't remember the names now, but different amazing yeah. trad players. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, um, Bridget, will we move on to uh, your your last choice um, today, uh, which is Joni Mitchell? And um, mm. again, my my little introduction. Um, so I I was stunned to to learn that the amazing bass playing came from Jaco Pastorius, um, yeah. whom whom she had just met, and also. Um, so it's nineteen seventy six, right? So um, or is it seventy? Okay. 76 pretty sure um but in the previous year she had been on the rolling thunder review i don't know if you're a bob dylan fan and if you saw the oh i am yeah i yeah. love that verse yeah so uh so there was a lot of things going on in Joni's life at that time but i think again kind of connecting up with with some of the stuff we've heard already um with coyote she had really broken out of or broken away from the relationship she was in, she was trying to kind of strike out on her own. And, and the inspiration for the writing uh, came from these journeys across America that she'd done some on her mm. own and, and with friends another time and once or twice, mm. I think, incognito. So um, so there was something really special about um, kind of that uh, the the inspiration behind her wanting to make a statement. And uh, so that was kind of the backstory. Uh, where did it come in for you in terms of listening um i think i when i was um maybe 17 or something i had uh, i had a dvd of the last waltz with the band and um I, it's it's like the band's last show and um i for those who don't know the band is like they were originally bob dylan's band and then they just began the band yeah and um so there was a the last waltz and she sings that on yeah. on there and it's just it just sticks out to me it was just such an unusual song and then yeah. I um really got into the album I, I don't yeah I think I always pronounce it Hegira but I've heard people say it different ways um yeah and, it's an Arabic word apparently um which oh, okay. comes from in in Arabic it means rupture and she said that. Um, and I love this. She said that she wanted to choose a title that signified running away with honor. Wow! Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, amazing. I, yeah, yeah. We've uh, we've kind of hit on uh, what what. If, uh, anyway, take take Joni <laughs> to say something like that. So look, um, yeah. will we'll we hear it and chat some more? Coyote by Joni Mitchell. It's a circumstance I'm up all night in the studios in Europe Early on your ranch You'll be brushing out a broodmare's tail While the sun is ascending And I'll just be getting home with my real to real There's no comprehending Just how close to the bone and the skin And the eyes and the lips you can get And still feel so alone And still feel related Stations in some relay, you're not a, a 
it sounds so great. Um, the the bass playing is a particularly amazing mm. feature, right? And and that was overdubbed because she just met Jaco Pastorius uh, after she'd recorded the part. So so I read, but um, oh. but it's incredible oh, that, that, that. that that it's so integral to the sound. It must have. It must have been a good meeting, I reckon. Um, but um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds like a crazy time in her life, you know. I'd never kind of the white lines and the freeway. I, I, I didn't mm. put that with what might have been going on in her personal life because there was like a, a lot of uh, crazy behavior. And it was, I think, something in, in there's something in Coyote yeah. that makes her like that, that idea of running away with honor. I mean, that kind of explains everything for the title for it to mean that. Mm. I think, I mean, like it's um I remember hearing it's kind of meant to be I think about her and Sham Sam Shepherd. Oh right, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who yeah. She kind of had an on-off thing with. Um, he was on the Rolling Thunder yeah. review for a while, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's really evocative. Yeah, he was, and he apparently. I mean, this is got about people that were in the seventies, but um, they, I think he kind of had a thing with Paddy Smith and. Joni Mitchell, maybe at the same time. I okay. Mean, uh, and um, yeah, she she just really um, portrays a really good. I just it's so it's so um, I can just envision it so well when she like him as a coyote, you know. Yeah. In a in a, in a not not a bad one, but just like yeah a trickster a bit. A bit yeah. Sure. Um, the, the, her writing is astonishing, right? On 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 that level there. Yeah. Um, so good. Yeah. And and there's some kind of freedom within it that it's not tied down by anything I guess that's where you want to go as a writer where you have these mm, things that seem yeah, to be totally. kind of you just cast to the wind and they just take off or something that feels like that totally yeah yeah the, it's beautiful the, the, the sense of of the journey in it as well of um I was kind of interesting to read how she had driven back and over across America in these kind of epic journeys and uh, and what there is something in, across that album, it, it's very it it name checks so many places and things and you know things from the road basically full of those images. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like she was kind of doing a lot of uh, searching and, and yeah, and al al alone a lot of the time. And um, yeah, yeah. It kind of is lonely sounding. Yeah. Um. And and yeah. and and I suppose a good place as any to. to to ponder upon how the lonely, the sounding or the lonely sounding records uh, are of such consolation, aren't they? They're so um, powerful. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, they're like um, just uh, like a security blanket or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Uh, the gift of art. It's just so wonderful. Um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you um, about the singing that I was afraid to ask at the start in case you just hung up um, was <laughs> no, no. With, with your own voice, Bridget, right? Um, there seems to be, or it, it feels like there's something in there in, in, in the way um, uh, that really reminds me of, of traditional singing in, in uh, you know, the greats mm. of Irish traditional singing. Is that something that's yeah. not in any way deliberate or there's no line or connecting you with, with, we'll say, the likes of Rita Keane or, or, or those people? Or is there, is there a, um, an actual connection? Not like when I hear you say that, I, I feel like, really flattered you know because mm -hmm. I've, I I feel like a part of my insecurity is always that I, I'm trying to I'm not I don't actively try and prove but I'm always see I'm always kind of fighting my identity a bit because mm -hmm. I grew up over in London and then when I moved to 
you know, I grew up in a very Irish community here and my parents are Irish. And then when I moved to Galway, they were like, oh, you're English, you're English, yeah. you're English, you're English, you're English. And I'd be like, no, 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 I'm not. And um, so I, it's been a, a thing I've wrestled with a lot because, um, I mean, I know I am Irish and that's my upbringing and my granddad and uh, the, the side of my, my mom's side, they're from Mayo and Sligo and they were all, they always sang, you know, um, uh-huh in a traditional style so I heard that growing up in London yeah um so no it's not intentional at all actually I tried I really I think what in my journey with singing I started off loving soul singers and sort of trying to sing in that style yeah and then it just felt a bit phony and I just decided to just naturally do what comes easiest for me which actually was brought brought um that came by by listening to Tim Buckley because I just realized he just sings how he how he is and yeah and he actually to me sounds like an Irish singer gone through a twist of different yeah. influences and kind of popped out of a tunnel do you know like yeah, yeah, yeah. you can hear that he side. has that yeah, spat out the other side of a weird machine. Like he, <laughs> you can hear it in his. Um... He's been Irish, de-Irish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like he went to like you can just hear it in his like throat or something. Mm. It, it really it reminds down. me how my granddad sang like that that kind of tenor, you know. Yeah, or yeah, gotcha. That um, and uh, I think when I heard him just embrace his natural voice, I yeah. I just decided to do that and um. I, those little kind of traditional I guess inklings yeah they just come they just come to me naturally and, and sometimes I just I don't know that that that's you know I have to say like my my family didn't really sing like that they sang more straight and narrow kind of but yeah. I I just get such a kick I don't know I just feel like it's easy to do and um I feel on point when I I kind of sing, um, you know, the wordless singing. <laughs> yeah. Um, that that really just helps me untangle almost. I feel like I'm untangling things as I sing. <laughs> oh um, wow! Well, it kind of goes back to that point of of what what the songs do for us because it untangles stuff for us when we listen. Nobody no. sings like you, Bridget. Really, I, I should have said that oh. as a kind of disclaimer at the start. But that's very interesting oh, that you feel so. that it would have been in a very gentle way just seeped into your blood. It's in your blood, basically. That's it, I guess. Yeah, I both sides. And I'm learning a lot about my dad's side. Um, I've gotten really obsessed with uh, genealogy at the moment. And um, I, I come from uh, Barry's in Waterford. And um, th- there was always... My my dad's side always said that they were related to Margaret Barry somehow, but couldn't prove it. Uh, yeah. But again, they all like a good yarn, so yeah. I don't, I don't, <laughs> you don't know. But they were all musicians that side, the Barrys, yeah. and um, yeah. So it, in a way, it is, but it's also uh, I don't know. My my life experiences and my to- cho- choices, my tastes in music have um, yeah. definitely taken me. So that I'm not totally traditional oh, yeah. uh, either. Um, um, it's it's probably yeah. a good a point as any to to just ask you, um, Bridget, about so on a city night and wedding of a friend, right? So that's um, a two sided mm. EP that just came out this year. Um, 
Uh, oh, it's it's they're actually it's not an EP. Sorry, it's um they're they're two singles from my next album coming. That that was my next question. Is that these are coming? This is from the next album. Oh. So where is the um where is that at in terms of uh, has it all been recorded and it's ready to go? Yeah, it will be out on June fifth, and um, amazing. The next single, I guess, will out be out in a few weeks. Um. Yeah, uh, June fifth, it'll be out. I'll send you a copy. <laughs> yeah, and and just with with the production on, and it's Peter is producing again here, Bridget, on on those two, right, and on this album. Um. Well, no, actually, well, it was a bit of a um, collaboration with myself, Alistair Roberts, and Peter. Um. So yeah, you know, yeah. Alistair Roberts is a yes. Glaswegian. Um. Yeah. So it kind of became a bit of a collaboration but I asked him to produce the album um back in August with myself and yeah. um we recorded it in an analog studio in Glasgow and um then me and Peter took those sessions home with us and kind of did the rest at home but we mo it's mostly done live with a few overdubs um yeah so yeah I can't wait to hear the rest because the first yeah, two um, yeah. are just sublime. Bridget, I just want to, to thank you very much for giving your time. And uh, it's been so lovely talking to you about, oh, about music you. that has been instrumental in your own life. Because um, And hopefully, um, I would love you to be a Make Me an Islander correspondent, official London correspondent. The job is yours. You did a great interview, in oh, fairness. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you got I the would job. love it, yeah. yeah it's good to know. Yeah, uh, at, the, at, the, at, the, at the end of every good interview, it's nice to know you got the job. The job's yours, okay? Yeah, so uh, we're going to play out with On a City Night. And thanks again, Bridget. Lovely. Thanks, Donald. Bye. Give me